Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Well, well, at least we're live when we're doing it here in Podcast Village. I am your host, moderator Justin Russell, and this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live from Washington, D.C., Studio A in Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown. Joining me as they do for every show, he is the former under Secretary of Commerce for International Trade, who served at last count under four presidents. He's the man that we know as Alan Moore. Alan, hello. Hello, Justin. Uh, remotely from a retirement community in Southeast Florida, he is the man that we know as the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, I Admiral. Am not, I am not in a retirement community. Boca del Vista, baby. It's a golf community. Boca okay? del Vista. And, do, you, anyway. do you live in Florida? Yeah. Do you, do you live, live in, in a retirement community? Do you live in <laughs> Do you live in Martin County? Can can put can put your teeth in before you go back on the show. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And and speaking to us from a drug-induced haze in a bedroom in southern South Central Maryland, I think is the former Joe Biden political operative that we know as Dan Littner Esquire. Hello Daniel. Hello everyone. Ah, uh, we've got so much. This and by the way, this is the last show of the year. This is our end of year show. We're going to be uh, dark. We're going to be in hiatus until after the first of the year in 2019. So we've got a lot to cover, but we do have to talk about the 300 pound elephant in the Oval Office, and we are not, in fact, talking about the president. We are now talking about the fact that. What one would consider probably one of the most coveted, most powerful under-the-radar jobs in all of politics, in all of Washington, D.C., in fact, in all the free world, the White House chief of staff, nobody wants the job, including the guy who they offer the job and is taking it on an acting basis. Uh, in case you missed it, about two weeks ago, and we talked about it last uh, few shows ago, the current chief of staff, General John Kelly, announced that he would be gone at the end of the year, leaving a vacancy. Then it was apparent that, well, at least in the eyes of the president and everybody in the West Wing, nobody checked with him, but the vice president chief of staff, Nick Ayers, was going to take the job. Well, nobody checked with Nick Ayers, and Nick Ayers told them no. And then a line of secession of people told them no. Mark Meadows. Chris Christie, uh, Steve Mnuchin, anybody else that we forget? Uh, Alan Moore, who else told them no? Well, we don't know who said yes, who said no. Because no, we know who told them no. Because no, I, I disagree. Mulvaney's- no, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think what happens is you have third parties that are in conversations. Don't ask him. Don't ask him. It's very, very rare that a president asks somebody I- something and they say no. 
you you set this up ahead of time. It's the the, the thing with Nick Ayers was an embarrassment to the president, and so I don't I don't know that anybody said no directly to a, I know asked of by the I president. know of one who was asked not by the president, but by those close to the president. That's different, and have said and have said. Please advise the president that I would have to respectfully decline the offer, which is telling the president no. There are, there are ways to remove yourself, but it's different than having to be asked and say no. Like Nick Ayers did. Right, but Ayers like, has already uh, like Ayers, really done that uh, Well, like he apparently did, but that was such a bizarre one. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was the kind of Everything thing about this White House is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, True. It, it, it was a mistake that that was embarrassing to the president. And one of the things that the people around him do care about is not being uh, a, a participant in something that embarrasses the president. He embarrasses himself plenty. What he doesn't need is help from from those around him. <laughs> and and the airs thing was embarrassing. So anyway, I just I, I I'm just saying let's. It's very clear that the people who were being named the. 10 great names, the 15 names, the everybody who's everybody wants this job. job. That was all total hyperbole and nonsense. And we all knew that. The question was, who are they going to get to do this? So they got so they got the head of OMB and who also serves as the head of the Consumer Protection. Not anymore. No, no, no. He got replaced a week week ago. Oh, that's true. Okay, that's true. So now he's only head of OMB. And now he is going to be, at his request, acting chief of staff, that is the former congressman we know as Mick Mulvaney. Uh, Admiral Ken, does the whole idea of Mick Mulvaney, a guy who, who's been a, a, a staunch supporter in the press of the, of the president, who seems to hold the president's torch when needed— does it surprise you that even he does not want this job full time permanently? Um, well, given given the 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 recently unearthed tapes of um, Mulvaney speaking his mind um, prior to the election, doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, given the fact that the same person has seen the ebb and flow of uh, White House chiefs of staff. Uh, in the last two years, nope, not surprised. And if, and given the, the comments uh, of somebody like uh, Bakari Sellers uh, the other night on uh, the Anderson Cooper show, where he spoke uh, quite well of uh, Mulvaney, calling him a person of character, we, saying that we disagree on policy, but the guy is just a straight up good guy. I don't know how anybody who's a straight up good guy could do that job day in and day out without getting slimed like the other two people who preceded him. So no, Alan Moore. Well, it's it, for me. It, it's a there's a there's a parallel with the Mattises and Kellys and Elaine Chows of the world. The adults who, in the room who don't particularly or or who who don't like the president. We're loyal to him. I'll, I'll remind everybody who didn't see it. That, that Mulvaney, in an interview, and, and it's now on, available on, on video, was asked how, what he felt about Trump. He said, I think he's a horrible human being, but but I prefer him to the alternative. Okay, right. well, that, that's talking about damning with faint praise. And then was asked, so do you consider him a role model for your sons? 
Absolutely not. No, he said he's not so, a role model for my sons. So he's a despicable so human being. So having said that, having said that, he agreed to go to work for him. He, OMB is a <laughs> an amazing place to learn everything about how government works. It's a not glamorous, <laughs> but real detailed. Is, would you call it? Job. Would you call it the sausage factory? Well, it, you know, it it it's you become an expert in every ingredient in the sausage, and and uh, and you have a big time responsibilities. Quite a bit of authority with other cabinet members, which is interesting. And he had served on the budget committee. He's not a dumb guy. No. Because that's a real detailed, hard work, not very not 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 very much appreciated kind of job. And then he took on the Consumer Finance Protection Board job as a part-time sideline because they, they needed he was somebody bored? to No, no, because he <laughs> was because he was willing to. Um and and uh, we've just now finally confirmed the replacement, uh, the, the 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 permanent so-called replacement for uh, to to run that that job. He's apparently going to turn, or they are they the the administration, the president is going to turn day-to-day management of the of OMB over to his deputy, whose name I've forgotten. Right, and he's going to be the full-time. Chief of staff. <laughs> Until it, it's an odd it's an odd arrangement because he's going to be the acting, which maybe serves both of their purposes. He might say, "I don't know how this is going to work, um, Mr. President. Could we make make me the acting, and then we'll see." And the president could say, "Sure." Then I can, if I don't like how it works, I can change it and don't have to yeah. embarrass you. And your job will be waiting for you when you go back. But probably convinced that mix the guy. There aren't. A lot of guys or women out that there that job. who want the job or who the president believes could do the job. Dan Lipner, I mean, let's get to let's get to brass tacks here. I mean, unless your name is Trump or Kirchner, is those are the only names I think that are ever going to be moderately successful at operating the day to day operations, both political and operational, of the White House. Am I incorrect in that assessment? I mean, I was genuinely surprised that Chris Christie pulled the name out of the chief of staff sweepstakes since he seemingly has no political future other than that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you in the least. Admiral Ken, does it make you comfortable that the only people that can get a hold of the day-to-day operations of the administration inside the White House are only people with the last name of either Kushner or Trump? No, it doesn't make me comfortable at all. Not one bit. I I can't expand on that any further. No. And, 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 <laughs> you look so. You look like you look like deflated right now. You look like you just sucked the wind out of all of I, I, You know, honestly, I, I got to tell you, it, it's it's almost the end uh, of the year. You know, every week we get presented with just more madness, and. Uh, you know, and I guess in the words of Jim Comey, I, I keep waiting for, you know, the adults in the room to you, basically start acting like adults. And you, so, no, no, you look, I don't. You look I, punch drunk. You look punch drunk. Uh, I need a drink. And we used to do this <laughs> show with alcohol in our hands. And I think we should go back to that practice because it made the it made the, the crazy less less insulting. Well, back then when we did it with alcohol, it, it, it was at a time when there was less crazy. I'm not sure he needs a drink. I think he needs another another drink. drink. Right, that's true. You know, <laughs> you, you know they they do have cheap booze in the retirement community down there in Florida. <laughs> um, hey, by the way, there was also another departure that was announced recently. 
In case you missed it, Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke, former Montana congressman, uh, is also departing the administration a uh, little bit quicker than John Kelly, but will be departing the administration fairly quickly. It looks like that he will, in fact, be replaced by the Deputy Secretary of Interior, who will be, uh, it looks like he'll be enacting, but they'll probably put his name up for confirmation. Question, will he ride off on a horse the way he rode in on? Uh, don't know. Don't know. Uh, the... <laughs> It 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 I, I don't know I really don't know all I know all I know is is that uh, uh, they had a great Christmas party on Thursday I was at the Christmas party on Thursday at the secretary at the uh, secretary's office it was it was nice <laughs> I don't want to go any further than the that. horse he rode in on now looks like the horse from Blazing Saddles so well, I'm not sure it'll wow. get him out that's 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 it, it, it it's interesting when Zinke was name came up back in transition there the some red flags came up. Uh, about his view of ethics, and they were dismissed about him um, because they thought he fit the profile, Navy SEAL, Westerner, horseback guy. He's the guy we want. We like his look. Um, And guess what? Those early concerns have played out. Right now there are something like seven different inspector general investigations of his behavior, the inspector general of the interior, looking at stuff he did. Uh, And there are half a dozen other investigations at at Justice and elsewhere. This guy is an ethical mess. Now, he's going to be out, but he's not going to be done with all these investigations. So um, talk about a guy with some legal bills. He's another guy who's going to have some. He's like a perfect White House chief of staff. (laughs) Let me just say this. I I am... the, the, the The man's a former combat veteran. Served honorably. Uh, Nobody in, said in, otherwise. In the Navy, served his country honorably. Uh, here's the thing: is I will take the stand that I will give a fellow brother in arms a little bit of leeway as far as law breaking investigations. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. If he broke the law, if he broke the law, he should be punished for breaking that law. If what I'm saying is, much like I've said on other situations on this show, like police shootings, et cetera, like that, what I will say is let due process go. I, I, I will say, let's see what the IG report comes back with. If he's, uh, I have a question. Sure. Yeah, IG reports. Or, Six or IG. seven of them. Okay. Yeah, and the justice investigations. I, I, apparently, yeah. I, okay. I missed something in the, uh, in the colorful history that has been Secretary Zinke's uh, tenure. What what's the deal with the flag? He had his own flag above the uh, the interior building. No, well, no, he he's got no. He he has every senior executive, much like a flag officer in the military has a senior executive. Well, I flag. know about that. I know about that. So he actually flew that flag, though. Yeah, when he was that, in the building. He, he was, wanted his flag well, just he had to, raised to fly. The lawyers, raised like he was the Queen of England. No, like he was. No, well, no, like he was a flag, like a flag officer. officer. And 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 I will tell you, look. Uh, he, like that's his prerogative. Officer. That's his prerogative. Yeah. That's not okay. I the way, a, the way the way it came across in the reporting, it was it sounded weirder than that. But that's no, 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 no. Cool. It, it, it's it, totally weird. It's he he might have, of course. What? Show me another cabinet member in modern history who's done that. Good luck coming up with I can one. Tell, I can tell, no, no, no. Secretary of Defense. Yeah, I'm Sec- not talking about the military. Secretary, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Secretary you said cabinet Tra- member. You said cabinet yeah. member. Secretary of Se- Transportation. Secretary Fair enough. And I don't even know that that the Secretary of Defense 
flag flies when he's in the in the Pentagon. It does. But, it but, does. But I don't know of any other cabinet agency where that occurs. I, I do. The Secretary of Transportation shows up at any Maritime Academy. The Secretary of Transportation, when the Maritime Administrator shows up, we're talking up, about her op- the office in Washington D.C. The Cabinet Department is not a place oh. for extra flags. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, enough of that. Uh, as we said at the opening of the show, this is our last show of the year. Uh, it has been a great year. Uh, I, I do want to. I, I, I'm going to do this now, and I'm probably going to do it again at the end of the show. I cannot tell you, first of all, the quality of this show now that we've moved in here to Podcast Village. I'm going to do a quick 30-second spot for Podcast Village. If you run a radio show like this or a podcast like this and you are within 50 miles of Washington, D.C., I highly suggest you come check out Podcast Village. Our audio quality, the professional level that it's done has just brought us to a whole new level. That's been a great thing this year. Absolutely. And don't hold any of our comments or efforts against Podcast Village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we should. Except hold, for Dan's. Yeah. It, I guess, Rob the Engineer, do you, do you think that uh, the folks here in management might want us to say the views and expressions of backroom politics do not expressly are those of Podcast Village? We'll have to dig up our old releases and get back to you. <laughs> Uh, that that is that is great legal counsel from Rob the engineer, um, but anyway, yeah, this is a great place, and and it's really brought us to a new level, and and it's gotten us into the same room, which we we love whenever everybody can get here, uh, it's always good, but this has been an interesting year. There's been so much news that we've covered. There's been so many odd things happening, tragedies. Uh, comical errors in judgment, uh, political blunders. There's too many to name. But what we like to do is uh, look at what has happened in 2018. And I'm going to have you guys give us our, your top three. I'm going to start with you, Admiral Ken, uh, because, you know, I know it's getting close to uh, buffet dinner time down there at Boca Vista. What are your top three down there? You got to take yourself off mute. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'd say number one for me uh, has been the continuing um, uh, collusion investigation. Uh, I, I and I guess associated with that has been um, the president's attack uh, on the Constitution and the rule of law. And those trying to do their job in in accordance with those uh, those two guidelines, I'd say the number two behind that would be um, the midterms. Um, I, I think everyone uh, pretty much had a pretty good idea that uh, the house was right. going to go. Well, well let's uh, take let's take those one by one real quick. Okay. Let's take those one by one. Let's, let's let's talk about the the continuing Mueller investigation. Um. Dan Lipner, how is history going to view the special counsel's investigation into this administration? I don't want to limit it to Russia, but how is this, how is history going to view the special counsel's office? Well, I'm going to narrow that a bit and just say Mueller and his investigations. And based on Mueller's history 
uh, both in this current investigation and his previous service to the country as the director of the FBI, as a U.S. attorney, and as a veteran. Everything he has done represents himself as a patriot and the best we hope to be. You agree with that, Alan Moore? Well, uh, yeah, that's those things are undisputable. The question you ask, though, is how's history going to look at him? And I, the only answer I can give is I don't know yet. He's not done. He's been under attack. Way to go out on a limb there, Alan. Well, (laughs) well, at least I'm discussing the question as opposed to giving a a brief his brief resume, which is a zero. Sorry, Dan. So, so are you accusing accusing Dan of being like a Sarah Sanders? <laughs> wow, that was no, harsh. No, because he didn't lie. Oh, um, so so everything he's done so far has is consistent with his history. That bodes well for what is likely to be in his report and how it's likely to be received. And who knows how what will come out of it? That's well, those are the things that will determine how how history will will view it. But he's 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 played it by the book. He's had no leaks. He'd probably do a few things a little differently if he could, but I'm not. We don't need to pick those apart. But until we know what's in his report and what happens to that report, there's no way to know how history will look at it. But no, no, I disagree. the The substance of the report, presuming that it is done with integrity, which I have no reason to believe it's going to be anything less than that, than that history will regard it as such, and therefore uh, Mueller will be recognized for that action. He's not going to go down like Ken Starr. This is going to be something different. Well, <laughs> we didn't, that wasn't the question. Yeah, and that, that, that's even, okay. We don't even know that we're going to, we don't even know that we're going to see the report. Mueller will be celebrated for how he's handled himself and how he's handled this investigation. That, that, no, that's fair enough. I, 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 will, I, I see where Dan's with going with that. I, I would say I, that. Finally, yeah. <laughs> Admiral Ken, is should America be concerned that we have a special counsel's investigation the way that we do with the Mueller investigation, or should we take comfort in the fact that this can go hap- this can happen, it can do its job, and we're not going to see an entire revolution or uh, a change in power through violence? Well. So I'll take the latter question. I, I don't. I don't think that we're going to see a change in power through violence. I, I honestly believe that uh, if it comes to that, I still have faith um, in the um, the machinery that keeps our government working, uh, stopping that. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have given you know almost forty years of my life uh, of service to the country. So I, I'm going to take that one off the table. Um, I do think that the country should be concerned that it requires a special counsel to look into things that one of um, the, the, the three pillars of government uh, are doing uh, in order to get uh, down to the, the facts of whether something inappropriate was, 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 was conducted or not. I, I'm, I'm saddened by that. I, I, was, I would really hope that the folks that we uh, send to Congress and to Senate uh, have the 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 uh, the the uh, patriotic uh, the patriotic sensibilities uh, about their positions to to put the country first 
uh, and their political parties and their own welfare uh, at lesser priorities. But apparently we're not living in those those days, but I'd sure like to see us get back to them. So I think the country should be concerned that it takes a, a special counsel to get down to the brass tacks of things. And more. Yeah, I'll just remind everybody that that when this administration began, it looked like uh, the FBI under Director Comey, um, with support from the Justice Department, would be doing this investigation. Um, Comey got fired. Sessions came in, had to recuse himself. And all of a sudden, the number two at, at Justice has got to figure out what to do. And he, it was then and only then that we went down this road. It's not the, the desirable road. Um, we should not have had to go down that road. We did because of the actions of this president. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the midterms. That was the number two story, according to Admiral Ken. Dan Lipner, we've seen midterms. We've seen midterm red wave and blue waves before. What makes this blue wave in the House different from any other midterm wave that we've seen in past history? Well, uh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. No, 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 no. uh, You are not. You are not. (laughs) You are not going to invoke James Taylor in this. No, 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 no. I refuse. All right. All right. I'll pull back. I'll pull back on that. So this midterm is not as unexpected as one might expect, other than the fact that, yes, the economy is going well, but this president has managed to squander any upside uh, politically for his presidency and lost the House of Representatives by a historic number. So it's that's pretty damning. Um, in spite of the president's best efforts to say that the, the Senate elections were actually the big takeaway, um, I believe the count was two seats the Republicans picked up in the Senate, and both of those were in wildly red states. Um that's not that's nothing too impressive. Alan Moore, you agreeing? Oh yeah. Yeah. I always like to agree with Dan and I completely agree with him on that. Um <laughs> I the, like when the, you agree with me. The story, it's, it, but, it, it always goes better when you agree with me. I mean, having said that, you know, there was no guarantee that that outcome would would occur. There were high hopes that there would be not just a tsunami, but a monstrous historic tsunami. Um and uh so the the Republicans were able to hold on. Um, in the House, it was a disaster, and it was it's, it was a it was it was bad on election night, and then it just kept getting worse uh, over subsequent. Like every weeks. time there was a close race, it got worse for the White House. It, it, exactly, exactly, and and so um, uh, it 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 was a huge day for the Democrats. It was a huge day for women stepping forward. It was a huge day for women in the suburbs. Um, and and all the close close races in in a lot of these areas that had a history of of, of electing moderate Republicans, but, but here's the thing: is went, I, I, went Democratic. I also want to point out it was a historic day for Indian country. There are now more American Indians in Congress than have ever been elected before. And I just wanted to point that out. That is a historic step. And that new number is what again? That new number now is 12 total, which is is impressive. Does that count Elizabeth Warren or not? Wow. 
No, it is not. <laughs> wow. Just wondered. Just wondered. Okay, okay. You know what? We're going to take that. We're going to go to break. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue. Our, while Ken gets his crap together. Good God. Laugh it up, Chuckles. Laugh it up. And oh, and, and look, and, and Alan's taking a victory laugh. Good God. This was the best political talk show you ever heard of. This is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village in Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. And now we're reacquainted, and all the stars seem fresh painted. And here's what I long to say to you. Hello, Heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find. If I could, I would be bound forever, and I'd never sever me from you. You won't believe it's true, but I've been missing you. I dream of kissing you. Let's give it one more chance, one more slow dance. Heartstring, let's cling, tie my heart to you. Hello, heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find. Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back in our end of year t- end of year show. 
I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And uh, where are you broadcasting from, Dan? It sounds like you're in the middle of a gunfight. I'm at home here in Maryland. Oh, okay. Very good. Sound Speaking of gunfights. Hey, uh, we're, we're t- continuing to talk about the year in review for 2018. And one of the... One of the things that uh, that came up, and it was a big item for a while, and then it seemed to die down, is the gun issue. Uh, Alan, you were saying today they finally banned bump stocks? Yeah, the administration took an action they've been talking about for some time, an action that, that previous administrations uh, couldn't see their way to take, and it took this one two years. Is, is gun they, can- they have, through, through executive or administrative action, um, were able to finally ban bump stocks, uh, the device that you buy to to put onto a, a semi-automatic uh, uh, weapon and turn it into basically a fully automatic weapon. Something that's been more used than, in some of the in some of the more than shootings. eighteen months after bump stocks came to came to prevalent public knowledge after the tragedy in Las Vegas. Yep, and two months after the election. What's that? Yeah, and, and I th- two months after the election, you would think that the White House would rolled this off or rolled this out before the election, so they could have run on it. Yeah, well, uh, I, I agree, Admiral Ken. Are are guns still a story going into you know coming out of twenty eighteen? Absolutely, they are. Um, so um, the congressman who ran successfully for re-election down here um, lost. Uh, a tremendous amount of his following. You're talking about he, Congressman Brian Mast. Brian Mast lost a con- tremendous amount of his following down here because Mast uh, came out uh, after the uh, uh, the shooting at uh, Marjorie Stone. Uh, 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 gosh, Marjorie Stone, Marjorie Stone Douglas, Douglas. High, high, uh, high School uh, here in here in South Florida after that shooting and said, you know, pretty much we've got to bring some sanity into this and some level of gun control is necessary you would not believe the chorus of people that uh that wanted to uh, uh not vote for him um because of that and uh, yeah i think it's, it's still a huge issue and, and um and i you know unfortunately think that while the um the the ban on bump stocks uh was a step in the right direction i think there's probably some other things that we can do you know alan moore Talking about you know the the trouble that Brian Mast had down his reelection, he did end up getting reelected anyway. You look at Rick Scott. Rick Scott went against the grain, went against the NRA, and instituted some pretty sensible gun legislation down in Florida that passed, not without a fight. Uh, are are we going to start seeing a new breed of Republican that's going to stand up? to the likes of the NRA when needed? Is is that the story out of 2018? I don't know that there's that we could be that definitive about the story. Uh, the, 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 there's still an enormous amount of, of hesitation, uh, fear, political fear, um, uh, relating to, to gun control. And, and most Republicans have decided um, that it's not worth taking on that fight if they want to continue to, to serve. Here and there, you'll see some who do the bump stock thing. If it took, if if something so obvious that could be done by administrative action 
took so long, it it just doesn't uh, it doesn't bode well. And for a couple of Republicans in Florida, after what Florida went through, um, to to not, not just Florida once. We're talking Florida multiple times. No, no, no. We're that's talking my point. Pulse nightclub. Yes, it, it, Douglas High School. In very recent, in, in the recent past. Um, so I don't, I don't. Sadly, I, I don't see uh, that as being a being a harbinger of some movement across the country. We'll just, you know, we're gonna have to wait. For, sadly, for other incidents that may cause people. It, to, for, for the for the local dynamic politically to 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 change, let's also acknowledge that that you know although we around this table could agree on some things that should be done, um, many people would agree on this thing or that thing, um, and uh, but there's no consensus on what quote right. common sense gun laws it, is. Dan Lerner is is the. St- stroke of the NRA diminishing, or is this just a hiccup? Oh, it's absolutely diminishing, uh, if for no other reason than just their numbers. The number of households with guns has been declining for decades. Uh, unfortunately, the people with guns means there's a lot more guns in those households with guns. That said, the NRA is fighting a losing battle, and they're having a demographic issue that is working against them in the long run. Okay. Uh, I disagree. You disagree. Why is that, Alan? I disagree. Uh, I, I, I think I think the uh, the stroke of the of the NRA, uh, I, I don't believe has diminished one whit. Um, I think that um, the 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 continuous uh, the episodic that is uh, uh, events of, of uh, gun violence are 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 going to continue. Uh, I think that um, the, the 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 gun ownership uh, lobby in this country is still pretty vocal. Um, they vote with their with their voice and they vote with their money. And I don't think that the forces arrayed against them, and we've talked about this on the show, have been able to come up with a message that is loud enough that is succinct enough to basically drown out the power and the influence of the NRA. Don't see it fading at all. Interesting. Alan Moore, you disagree? No, I was, I was, uh, checking out Dan talking about the decline of gun ownership. Um, and it just isn't borne out by the facts. Um, 10 years ago, 40% of the pop of, of, of homes had, had a gun, Today it's forty three percent. In that intervening period, it went went as low as thirty seven, as high as uh, forty five. I mean, it moves around some, but but it's still in that in that range. It's not. There's no clear downward trend line. Um, and are you on the NRA's website? No, <laughs> no. But but uh, I'm I'm happy to to uh, to hear what your. Uh, uh, <laughs> What your numbers are instead of just your assertions, um, but uh, it, 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 I think that that it's simply too soon to say we've there's some new trend going on that 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 bodes well. I mean, we know that when Obama became president, um, you couldn't find ammunition. Now that they, it wasn't just ammo that people who already owned guns were buying, but but a lot of guns were being sold during that time too. There was a lot of fear out there. Um, 
and and it's it's a powerful force and it's it's not so much NRA per se right. as the notion of self-protection gun ownership there are plenty of gun owners who don't particularly right. like what the NRA does and there are some other gun own, owner groups that are even more aggressive than the NRA it's all over it's 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 not even the NRA world is not monolithic um, it's a powerful powerful uh, enterprise built on, in many cases, fear or strange notions of what the constitutional guarantees are. Hey, Admiral Ken, just to let you know, we can hear everything you're doing in the office. <laughs> Jeez. You might want to go to mute. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Dan Lipner, what what is your top three domestic news items that we haven't talked about? Uh, White House disarray, Democrats taking over the House, and White House disarray. All right. Well, what we got from that was White House disarray, Democrats, White House disarray. Are we really shocked by that, Alan? No. No. <laughs> okay. And 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 the Democrats took over the House. Gosh, I'm, I, I, nobody thought, nobody about, thought that. about that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so there there are some international issues. Well, I'll get I'll get the international. We'll get the international. I want to talk about the domestic, and then we'll get to the international. We got. A we've few talked. More we, we we've we've talked a lot about White House disarray. And, we're not talking and about. We're not talking about that. We're not going to talk. I was going to ask you what are other Fair domestic enough. items. Domestic because there there's I, a ton of items. domestic items that we can talk about. So the the uh, the bloom is off the rose. Uh, at least with with uh, uh, Wall Street, uh, the the issue that the president chose for unknown reasons to ignore um, one of his strongest issues um, during during the last uh, midterm uh, chose instead to talk about immigration, um, and and uh, uh, now the stock market has lost all of its gains for the year. We're, we're that, actually actually as of. Well, depending on what happens over the next week, we could see the worst December since 1931. We could. I, that that kind of stuff doesn't mean a lot to me. I look at longer periods of time. The market was up this morning a couple hundred points after dropping 500 yesterday. So we may have a bad December. Is, I'm more interested in, in, in whether it's a bad 2018 and then whether it's a bad Trump presidency because it, the, the, the the markets were up 15 plus percent in the first year, which was a stark surprise, ran contrary to what all the predictions were. And then it continued to climb this year and people were going, woohoo, taking it for granted, no big problem. Um, the, the, the Federal Reserve has been in, increasing interest rates. That's got the president's attention. He's panicked that, that, um, that somehow the economy or, or the Fed is going to do harm when in fact, his own tariffs and his behavior towards our allies um, in uh, in issues of trade have done created enormous uncertainty and done some se- uh, severe damage. He would never acknowledge that, but 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 that's my take on it. But the economy, the budget, the deficits, which you hear you get to hear from from me on from uh, on, a, on a regular basis, are really concerning. A because the deficits are growing way too fast in a strong economy than they should, and B. No one of any significant influence in the Congress or in the administration is talking about it in any concerted, focused way. Right. We're just playing with dy- with lit dynamite 
and the dynamite. Yes, yes, and and one of these days when the when when the the Japanese and Chinese and European investors decide I'm moving out of U.S. debt or not increasing the value, they don't want the, they don't they do not want the U.S. Uh, economy to collapse to, to collapse because they are massive owners and investors, um, much as they hate us. And would love, in some ways, us to to have severe difficulties. They're also part owners in the enterprise, um, but but with twenty two trillion dollars now in debt, and some of the great, some of the largest two years increase in debt. Uh, that, well, by far right. the har- largest we've ever seen. The president likes to be first. And, He's certainly first there in terms of a strong economy. Admiral Ken, you know, it, it's not like this White House and even the Treasury Department has some smart people on the economics of this, did they just miss some of the hidden Easter eggs in the current economy? Or was it just misguided faith that the American economy would continue to steamroller on? Because we're now really starting to see issues. We've had the Fed raise its interest rates now three consecutive meetings. We've had issues regarding oil, now a glutton of oil. We are now severely energy independent, but we're also seeing oil at 47 bucks a barrel. And we're starting to see prices, we're starting to see inflation again. It, was this smoke and mirrors economics, or did they just miss the indicators? It was smoke and mirror economics. We, have, we were at war for almost uh, for a little over 15 years without raising taxes. For, worse than that, we cut taxes. Don't get me wrong. As a you know, lifelong adult Republican, I'm, I'm never going to be for raising taxes. But one of the dis- big dissatisfiers uh, of, of, of big uh, reasons not to go to war, let alone you know, the, the, the potential loss of, of, uh, of our youth, is that it's going to cost us money. We went to war and we, we cut taxes you know, three or four times. Number two, the deficit is out of control. My former boss, the, the former chief of naval operations and former uh, 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 chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullen, said the number one threat to our national security is, is, is the deficit. And we, we through this last uh, uh, tax cut, blew a hole in that. Not something that Republicans are supposed to do. At some point, we're supposed to start getting this under control. So yeah, smoke and mirrors, that's a nice uh, a nice gentlemanly way of putting it on a Tuesday afternoon before Christmas. Now, I have to say that yeah, the... Wait, for- wait, let me be clear. Let's be clear here. Not something that Republicans are supposed to do, yet something they do every time they have the White House. Dan, you got to fix that mic, buddy. I got none of that. Sorry. Yeah, we're gonna have to reset. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to reset. We're gonna have to reset, Dan. The, the statement was not something Republicans are supposed to do, but something Republicans do every time they are in the White House. Okay, we're, we're, we got that one, Dan. We're gonna go ahead and uh, disconnect you and have you call back in, um, Alan. When Ken was talking about smoke and mirrors economics, you kind of cringed a little bit. Well, so so I think. That in this particular case, um, uh, uh, our friend uh, the admiral has succumbed to the Kool Aid of that the Democrats are are spewing that this is all about the tax cut. The tax cut was a small contributor, a real contributor, but a small contributor to the deficit. 
We have structural problems in this country. We have an aging population. We have huge entitlement programs that are not sufficiently paid for. And nobody is talking about trying to get both the spending, which is the biggest part of the problem, and the revenue side onto some kind of path where we're not looking at trillion-dollar annual deficits. The tax cut contributed 10% or so of that, but the structural lingering issues that no one wants to tackle because nobody gets any credit for avoiding a problem that we think will come but hasn't come yet. Admiral Ken? With, with all due respect to my friend, the, the secretary, um, mm-hmm. I, I, one, I, I don't drink Kool-Aid, <laughs> n- never have, never will. Um, two, uh, I, I think I said that. I said I used that as evidence that the, those were additive features. Um, but for the most part, I think Alan and I are on the same page. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yay. Dan Lipner, uh, in two minutes or less, your biggest international affairs story. Oh, man. Uh, Biggest international affairs story. Um, Unfortunately, it's still the United States. The United States retreat from its position of leadership in the world. Really? Really? How? Why? Why? Why is that the? Why is that the bigger than North Korea, China aggression, Russia aggression, Brexit? He gets to pick. He yeah, gets I, to I, pick. I'm asking. I can ask him. I'm the moderator. No, 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 no. I because I, I think it covers all of that. So the United States retreat. Um, so everything from the G20 to uh, the, even though it was not just this year, but international trade deals. Um, Across the board, the United States is no longer viewed as a leader, uh, and that is not a good thing. So that is a big story. The question is, who fills the void? And in spite of the snark, uh, when Ella Merkel visited the White House, uh, I believe it was the Hill that had the headline, President of the United States welcomes the leader of the free world, which as far as I know, the White House still uh, never responded to not realizing it was a dig at President Trump, <laughs> that's a thing. That so, is a thing. Now that you know, you're right. The United States not being a leader it, it is a problem, and the question is who fills that void? And Chinese interests, North Korean interests, Russian interests, Turkish interests, Middle Eastern interests, interests that are without any guiding light, with a principle beyond their the simplicity of their national interests or their financial interests is a loss to the world. Admiral Ken, your number one international story. Admiral Ken. Sorry, the button wasn't working there. I, I uh, The number one for me is still the Russians. Um, they, uh, they have been uh, named by all of our intelligence sources and now the Senate Intelligence Committee as having interfered with our elections and will and are continuing to do so even as we speak. Um, this country, uh, the, the executive leadership has seen to want to ignore all of that. Uh, Vladimir Putin is not our friend. And, um, and for whatever reason, this, this concept uh, seems to have uh, gone unnoticed and unresponded to by the administration whose charge it is to protect us and our elections and our national security. Alan Moore. 
Yeah, so I, I like both both Dan and um, and Ken's uh, issues. It's tempting to to move to North Korea, let's say, or China, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Saudi Arabia. Um, and Damn it, it's mine. And, ah! and, and what and 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 not so much what what they did, but how for the first time, the United States Senate stood up and said, in the face of a president who disagrees, hey, you are wrong, and we're going to hold the Saudis accountable. We're going to punish them. We're going to call them out, and we're going to modify our previous kind of unconditional support of their military uh, adventure, some adventures in in Yemen. This is very big. It it those of us who are pretty critical, some more than others, obviously, of of Republicans in the Congress. So this was a case where uh, the the Congress, the Senate, said, "Nope, we are not going along." It's it's a major issue, obviously, what the Saudis did, our response, and how the Senate, for the first time in this administration that I can think of, you, unanimously did something that the president doesn't approve of. I got to tell you something. The, the one story that we have not spent a lot of time covering that we're probably going to cover, have to cover in 2019 because it's getting kicked down the road is – absolute disaster that Brexit has become in Great Britain and the global effect on the on the world economy that that could have. It has been a disaster for Theresa May and the conservatives in Whitehall. It has been an absolute disaster for Labour and the other opposition parties as far as being able to contain the hemorrhaging that's happening in Britain in the British economy. It is it that I think is one of the bigger stories of 2018. The fact that this is what happens when you let people who listen to 30 second sound bites and demagoguery vote for a major position on your country's future. If you want to know what happens when you don't truly understand the issue you're voting on, look at Brexit. Look at what's happening in Great Britain today. Because if you poll 78% of British voters, they would tell you they don't want to leave the EU. It doesn't make sense. But now, Theresa May's caught in a rock and a hard spot. You either you either pull rank and do and go against the will of the voters, or you go with the will of the voters, uneducated as that vote may have been, and risk economic damage, the likes that the British government hasn't seen since the early 1900s. That's a big story that hasn't gotten a lot of play. Alan Moore, you agree? Um, yeah, I do. And it, it, it reminds us a little bit of sort of some of the nationalistic tendencies that are playing out, yeah. usually on the issues of immigration. And that was part of the Brexit vote. Um, we didn't really talk about immigration either domestically yep, or overseas. Absolutely, but, but but there are these strains out there. We like to think, my gosh, we've got this crazy president who's tapped into this stuff or generated it. No, he's and tapped, the nationalism is just here. He's tapped into it. He tapped into it here, and other countries' leaders are tapping into it too. There's sort of a trend out there, and and well, it, well, and well, it's a me, troubling let me, trend. Let me, let me disagree with you on one point. I don't. I don't think that there are country. 
I don't think Theresa May has tapped into the nationalism. I think that was the result of Nigel Farage. I don't think Macron is tapping into no i'm talking i'm not talking I'm, I'm talking about the those forces oh, oh okay, are changing okay. I gotcha, the I political gotcha. landscape I, I know we're running out of time i, I wanted to just say one thing today because okay. yesterday um uh tennessee senator lamar alexander announced that this would be his last two years in office that he would not run again in two years Lamar Alexander, who was a candidate for president, who right. was, uh, I mean, he never got the nomination, but he worked hard at it. Um, he was a, he was a cabinet secretary, secretary of education. He was a governor of Tennessee. He was a he was a university president in Tennessee, and he's really a first rate senator uh, from Tennessee. Um, he he, bas- he he left a job in leadership in the Senate a few years ago because he said. I want to focus all my energies on getting things done, seeking compromise. He did say, you know, it's still possible to get some good stuff done. It, I just wish it weren't so hard. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And I'll lower our plaid shirts in his honor. <laughs> okay. On that note, uh, there is one thing I do want to point out real quick. I mean, we've got four minutes left until till the end of the show. Let me just say this. Uh, this year we lost two great. We we lost several people that are close and near and dear to our hearts. But I want to point out uh, George H. W. Bush, forty first president. His wife Barbara Bush, Barbara Pierce Bush, uh, the wife of the forty first president, and uh, Senator John McCain. Um, I want to point them out because the question I have for Admiral Ken and Alan Moore is I have a dream one day that we will see a Republican Party a la Senator McCain and President 41 and even President 43. Am I is that a pipe dream or could we see it again? <laughs> yes. Alan Moore? It's both. Yeah, Alan Moore, you agree. All right. Well, it's a pipe it's dream. It's a pipe dream and, and we may and see we it may again. We may see it again. Yes. Uh Admiral Ken, you agree? I don't think it's a pipe dream and I think that the place where that comes from uh, Justin, is the fact that you and I uh, probably became uh, Republicans at the same time during the days of Reagan when we saw right. some leadership and we saw right. some goodness out of men. And we've seen some goodness out of men since then. Uh, I like to think that this is uh, an anathema, uh, that this is a phase. This is probably part of our growing pains. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's a pipe dream. Right. I think we will again. All right. Uh, let me take let me take the last couple of minutes here, real quickly. Thirty yeah, seconds. Just just some news that came out today. John Kyle, who filled in the Senate for the last oh, that's year, right. is stepping down. Stepping down. And the governor has picked Martha, Martha McSally, McSally. The, the Republican who lost, who lost in a close election. Uh, she will now serve the next two years uh, from Arizona, and will have a chance and to again to to win a full term. Everybody gets a trophy. No, 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 that's the wrong takeaway from that. Evidence that if you handle yourself with grace and dignity, even in loss, yeah. you can be rewarded. No, no, that's, that's true. No, that, that, is, that is true. That That is absolutely true. Um, is that but, an endorsement for Beto? Oh, wow. Possibly. Anyway, he's he's already working on his Biden-Beto 2020 buttons. Um, I want to give a special thanks real quick uh, to everybody who who participates in the show i want to give a special thanks rob the engineer you've kind of become like kind of like the sixth man or sixth person on the show i cannot tell you how much we appreciate everything you do 
Uh, you're a, you're a great asset to making this show what it is, which we're still trying to figure out exactly what this is. Uh, I want to thank uh, Oscar, and I want I want to thank Oscar, um, and um, Charlie and Charlie, Oscar and Charlie. I, I want to thank Oscar and Charlie, who are the principals here at uh, Podcast Village. They have been incredibly great supporters of backroom politics and i cannot thank them enough for helping us take this to the next level big things are coming in 2019 we're going to start off doing interviews again we're going to have in-studio guests again we're going to start making news again uh we're kicking off 2019 in a big way in january with a couple of big name well big name to us uh some some good interviews we're going to start picking that back up again uh i want to thank uh obviously Admiral Ken, Dan Lipner, uh, Alan Moore, Sharmila Achari, uh, Laura Chavez, uh, David Mortlock. They have been absolute. This show, it, it, all I do is just kind of run the questions. This show is nothing without them. And finally, there's a special person I want to thank. I want to. I, I want to thank. Uh, Audrey Howerton. Audrey Howerton is the unsung hero of backroom politics. Uh, this is this is a young lady that has been studying her butt off in finals, which I hope she's not here because she's partying because she studied her butt off in finals over the past week and a half. Uh, this show has become incredibly professional because of her dedication, and she, and we don't give her enough credit for her making what this does. I wish I could pay her more uh, than we do, which is little to nothing, but we're trying to fix that. Uh, Audrey, if you're listening to this, thank you, thank you, thank you for a wonderful 2018. You were the best gift that this show had this year. Thank you very much for taking it where it was. On behalf of everybody associated with Backroom Politics, we want to wish you and your family, our loyal listeners, a very happy, happy holidays, a safe holidays. Be with family, be with friends, give everybody a hug. Don't take everything so damn seriously. And you know what? Have a little cup of cheer. I know we will, wherever we are. Safe travels to everybody. We'll see you in 2019. Have a happy new year, America. This is Backroom Politics. Didn't want-